Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 15. When they had passed through Anaphalus and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, there was a Jewish synagogue. <coughs> and his custom was Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and to rise from the dead. Jesus, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas and did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a and started them not in the city. They rushed to Jason's house and in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of his brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here and Jason has welcomed them into his house. And they are defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil and they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. <clears throat> as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea and on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did a number of the prominent Greek women and many Greek men. And when the Jews in Thessalonica, Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went out there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Okay, please leave your Bibles open there at Acts chapter 17. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Father God, we pray that you would guide us by your spirit. As we reflect on these verses, Lord, help us to hear what you have for us this morning, to be guided by it, Lord, to not be distracted by the things that are coming this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many of us in our congregation have wood fires at home. So you'll know what happens. You will have been out cutting wood at some stage or another, you know what happens when the chain on your chainsaw becomes blunt. If the chain on the chainsaw is blunt, doesn't matter how much you rev the engine, doesn't matter how hard you push down, it's just not going to cut, is it? It's just not going to do what you want it to do. And I know, because I've seen some of you guys have got those automatic sharpeners now that you put it on your chain and it cuts at just the right angle and does it nice, quick and quickly, with a little stone cutter, but I haven't moved up to that same kind of technology. These days, we don't have a wood fire in the manse, 
And so my chainsaw only gets used to cut down the odd branch or to remove a troublesome tree. And so when I sharpen the chain on my chainsaw, I still use my dad's old chainsaw sharpening file. Put it in the vise, put the bar in the vise and use that file holding it on just the right angle, or at least I try to, and slowly but surely sharpen every single teeth. If you've ever sharpened a chainsaw chain like that, you'll know how hard every single one of those teeth are. You run that file across it and it barely feels like it's doing anything. They're so hard. But as hard as those teeth on that chain are, you start cutting some wood with debris in it or dirt in it, it takes almost no time for that chain to get blunt all over again. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says these words. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In Solomon's day, the iron that they used to make swords and shears was nowhere near as refined as the metals we have today, which meant that they would have to sharpen them regularly. If they didn't sharpen them regularly, then they would be no good for what they were designed to do. And just like the metal file that I would use, they would use metal to sharpen metal. They would use iron, which was the toughest metal they had available to them at the time, to sharpen their swords and shears. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that we, those who trust in Jesus, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Or in other words, those who trust in Jesus no longer need a priest or a, a pastor to be able to approach God. They don't need anyone other than Jesus to come before the Lord. But even though we don't need a priest or a pastor to come before the Lord or to understand his word, we do need each other to encourage, challenge, and sometimes rebuke each other. As iron sharpens iron, those who trust in Jesus need to be in regular fellowship with each other. We're going to be able to do what we have been created to do. Yes, we are a royal priesthood, but we are also a chosen people, a holy nation who have been set aside to worship our Saviour together. And unless our understanding of God is being shaped by his word in community with other believers, it'll leave us open to personal interpretations that can head us down the wrong path or leave us unchallenged in our own personal preferences. Now, in today's passage, Paul, Silas, and Timothy share the message of the risen Lord Jesus in Thessalonica and Berea. The message they share in both of these places is the same. The people who present it are the same. But the way the Jews receive the good news of Jesus is very, very different. Now, last week, back in chapter 16, I mentioned that the author of the book of Luke, and the author of Acts, Luke himself, had joined Paul, Timothy, and Silas 
and they, he was experiencing all that they were experiencing. But these verses seem to indicate that Luke had stayed back in Philippi because there's no mention of Luke being amongst them in these verses. Paul, Silas, and Timothy made their way to Thessalonica. And when they got there, Paul and his companions did what was customary for them to do. They went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and began to reason with the Jews there from the scriptures. Every week the Jews would meet in the local synagogue and there would be set readings. And those readings would be from the law and the prophets. And for three weeks in a row, while Paul and his companions were in Thessalonica, they went to the, to the synagogue every Sabbath and they reasoned, they explained how the law and the prophets, how all of these scriptures point to Jesus being the Christ. Many of the Jews who heard this in Thessalonica, well, many of them rejected it, but some believed. And when those who rejected it well, they, when they saw how many of the Gentile, God-fearing Gentiles, a, a God-fearing Gentile was a somebody who was not a Jew, but who was Jewish in every way apart from circumcision, how many of these God-fearing Gentiles and prominent women, women who had married important husbands in their society, came to saving faith in Jesus. When these Jews who had rejected it, the good news heard this, they became jealous and tried to stir up trouble for Paul and Silas. They went to the marketplace of all places to incite a crowd in order to have Paul and Silas dragged off to the authorities. They didn't care how they got rid of them. They didn't care whether it was ethical or not. They didn't care whether it was within God's will or not. They just wanted them gone. But when they went looking for Paul and Silas, they were nowhere to be found. And so this crowd took out their anger on a believer named Jason and some other believers who aren't named in these verses. This mob grabbed them and brought them before the officials and said these words. I'm reading from the ESV just because I like the way it puts it. These men who have turned the whole world upside down have come here also, and Jason received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is no other king. Sorry, saying that there is another king, Jesus. These Jews knew that the good news of Jesus had caused a commotion everywhere that had been preached. It had changed the lives of those who had believed it and it had hardened the hearts of those who had rejected it. When the people of the city and the officials in that city heard the testimony of this crowd, they were put into a turmoil, not knowing what to do, not knowing whether these claims were true or not. And so the authorities of the city let Jason and these believers go. Now, we aren't told where Paul and Silas were while all this was going on, but we are told in verse 10 that the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea that night, and we find out later on that Timothy went along with them as well. 
in Berea, they did the same thing as they had done in Thessalonica. They went straight to the local synagogue and began to reason from the scriptures, explaining how the scriptures point to Jesus being the Christ. But the response they received in Berea was very, very different to the one they received in Thessalonica. We're told the the Berean Jews were of more noble character. Or in other words, they were more open, more willing to hear and then go back to the scriptures and discern whether what they were hearing was true. As I heard Paul explaining how all of the law and the prophets point to Jesus, they searched the scriptures to check every single thing he said. They were eager to hear the good news of Jesus and to check it against the truth of God's word. But they didn't do it on their own. As they searched the scriptures, they talked about it together. They met with each other and they studied the scriptures together. And many of the Jews, God-fearing Gentiles, both men and women, put their faith in Jesus. Paul and Silas had preached the same message here that they had in Thessalonica. But many of the Jews in Thessalonica had no interest in checking what Paul and Silas had to say against the truth of God's word. They were set in their positions. They were unteachable. They had left no space for God's word to speak into their lives. They didn't want to be sharpened by God's word or by his people. They didn't want their interpretations of scripture to be challenged. They didn't want to have their faith sharpened by God's word or by his people. And so rather than checking the scriptures to see whether what Paul and Silas were saying was true, they rejected it completely and held on to the way that they preferred to worship. In fact, they were so set in their way, so incredibly stuck where they were, they travelled, many of these Jews travelled, the 70-kilometre trip from Thessalonica to Berea in order to continue to cause problems for Paul and Silas. But before they were able to do anything to Paul, the believers in Berea quickly sent him off to the coast, to Athens, which we'll hear about next week. The verses we've looked at today remind us of the power of the good news of Jesus to change the lives of those who hear it, to change the lives of those who trust in it. Many of the people in the synagogue at Thessalonica heard Paul and Silas explain from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ and they believed and it changed their lives. While others heard the same message and hardened their hearts. The Jews in Berea checked everything that Paul and Silas said against God's word. They were willing to have their personal interpretations challenged as long as it lined up with God's word. They also didn't reach this interpretation, this understanding of God's word on their own. But instead, they searched the scriptures daily 
in order to check what Paul and Silas had to say. On their own, they could have easily headed down the wrong theological path. But by searching the scriptures together as a congregation, they were allowing iron to sharpen iron. And that probably seems a bit strange to us in our individualistic culture, where the idea of studying God's word and coming to an interpretation of it usually brings thoughts to mind like our quiet time, our personal readings, studying God on our own, or maybe listening to a podcast or finding the preacher that we like the voice of or like the way he preaches the best. What these verses are reminding us is that our understanding of God's word is never meant to be developed on our own. We are, after all, a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Sure, we no longer need a a priest or a pastor to come before God, but we all need each other to understand his word and to apply it to our lives. It's my role to teach God's word. I do it in lots of different contexts, from here to scripture to other other things. But there have been many times in my time among you when I've been in Bible study or in a conversation with one of you and you have opened my eyes to see God's word in a way that I couldn't have done without you. Everyone who trusts in Jesus has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And so they're able to read and understand what God's word has to say. But even though we can understand lots of God's word on our own, God regularly uses fellowship with his people to grow our understanding of him. God's word is meant to be understood in community because God's word regularly speaks into our lives into how we should live and serve and act in community with other believers. That's why the Bereans were commended. Because as a congregation, they were willing to listen and to check everything against God's word. They were living and serving and sharpening each other as iron sharpens iron. Today's passage It's encouraging us to be men and women who serve the Lord, to share our lives with each other, to share our joys and our struggles with each other, to challenge each other as we wrestle with various issues in our lives and as we come to different understandings of God's word. Because when we are disconnected from the body of Christ, It's easy for us to become convinced of our own positions and interpretations because we're disconnected from those who might have a different perspective and those who might challenge our ideas or encourage us to check our positions against God's word. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a chosen people. And we are called to serve our saviour together together in community so that we might sharpen each other in our understanding of God, his word, and his love for us as iron sharpens iron. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would help us to be 
like those believers from the Berean church. We pray that no one would listen to the preaching of God's word just because I say it, that we would check everything against God's word, that we would be constantly going back to your word, Lord, but that we would be doing it together as we encourage and challenge and rebuke each other in Bible studies and in conversation, as we find ways to come along each other, aside each other, and encourage each other with your word. Lord, we pray that you would use each of us to sharpen each other as we seek to be more and more like your son. And we pray this in his name. Amen.